This podcast contains possible spoilers about comic books and adaptations. You've been warned. Hey Lance, you ready for a new year? Yes. Want to do New Year's resolutions? Sure. Okay, you know, this year, I want to topple some governments, destroy some financial institutions, inherit a shadowy organization of ninjas. Oh, like Talia al Ghul. Yeah, exactly. What, what about you? What do you want to do? I want to cut down on sweets. Oh, that's good, too. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today we're talking about Talia al Ghul. This is a really complex and fun character, and I'm glad that we are taking on Talia. And uh, first of all, Lance, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year, Chris. This is our, this is our first uh, episode of 2021. Hopefully so, it's... Um, uh, little more positive than the last one. <laughs> yes. I mean, one of the greatest things that came out of last year was starting this podcast. So we're excited to continue it into a new year and, and hopefully we'll be able to actually do an episode in person. That's our goal. That's, yeah. That would be a lot of fun. We can sit out around a table and actually like talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, we've, we've done every episode so far. I think we're, this is episode 14 and every episode we've done so far has just been we haven't been looking at each other. It's no, it's all audio. So it's old school radio folks. <laughs> I hit here at comic book keepers. All right, here we go. Talia is the daughter of Raz al Ghul or Raish al Ghul. We're going to say, what are we going to say today? Uh, I'll probably always revert to Raz. <laughs> Raz. Okay. Let's go with Raz. So Talia is the daughter of Raz al Ghul, the leader of the league of assassins one of his most trusted advisors and the heir to his empire. She is often torn between the love of her father and her beloved, the Batman. Talia becomes a shrewd leader herself, leading the League in her father's absence, which occasionally happens, and being a founding member of the secret society of supervillains. Although she loves her father, she does not always follow in his wishes for genocidal chaos. Talia has become extremely powerful in both the business world and the criminal underworld. She is also one of the few people to have married Batman. Side note, he's actually been married 15 times in the comics. Man, he gets around. Um, yeah, he gets around. You know, there was a lot of um, swinging in the 60s, I guess. Despite her feelings for Batman and occasionally being an ally, she ultimately has been one of his most intelligent and powerful adversaries. She also holds the distinction of bearing the only child of Bruce Wayne in major continuity, Damian Wayne. I still hold on to Terry. <laughs> you think Terry's? Terry's a well, kid. We're not, we're not, I think Terry's still considered his son, but we're, okay, we're well, not talking we'll about that today. To, we're moving on. We'll we're doing Terry again some other time. And, and I want to say that the having Damien is, is there's a little asterisk with that. And this is thanks to DC's multiple timelines and multiple reboots and stuff like that. Yep. He was grown in a test tube and artificially aged. And that's a whole nother story. So let's just say for the sake of simplicity that 
she is the only one that um, has uh, given birth to a child from Bruce Wayne and, um, and leave it at that for now. Uh, as far as her origin, um, Raz Al Ghul met Talia's mother, Melisande, at the Woodstock Festival, which is interesting. Woo! And <laughs> yeah, woo, free love. And not much is known about her mother other than she was a woman of Chinese and Arab descent and that she died after giving birth to Talia, who was born, and I found a specific birth date for her, on December 1st, 1972. Talia was raised by Raz. Uh, traveling around the world and being groomed to run his empire should anything happen to him. Her abilities include um, being at the peak of physical conditioning due to the Lazarus Pit side effects. She's also an excellent tactician and has been trained in many forms of martial arts since she was young. She's also proficient in most hand weapons and hand-to-hand combat and, and is an excellent markswoman. She was educated in arts and sciences, holds advanced degrees in biology, engineering, and business as an MBA, and although she is human, she has been exposed to the Lazarus Pit several times, which grants slowed aging, longevity of life, and a tinge of madness here and there. (laughs) Just a a tinge. Um, Just a little, you know, a little... Just a little crazy. Just a little madness. IGN in their top 100 comic book villains of all time, Talia is ranked number 42. And the Comic Buyer's Guide's 100 Sexiest Women in Comics list, Talia is ranked number 25. Oh, you know, because you know that list is super important. And when we talk about her outfits, we'll, we'll, you, you might understand why if you haven't actually seen Talia. Um, so, how did this formidable female get formed in the first place? You like that? Yep. A little alliteration there. Mm-hmm. To find out, we go into the archives. Talia was co-created by writer Dennis Denny O'Neill, artist Bob Brown, and Dick Giordano. Dennis Joseph O'Neill was born in St. Louis, Missouri in 1939. Growing up, he would go to the store with his father and grandfather for groceries and, of course, the much-desired comic book. O'Neill would graduate from St. Louis University with a degree in English literature, creative writing, and philosophy. Sounds like a a good mix to becoming a writer. His career path would take a backseat as he joined the Navy just in time for the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, great timing. Yep, good, good, good stuff. Worked out. Following his naval service, O'Neill would begin writing about the revival of the comic industry for a local newspaper in Missouri, which caught the attention of none other than Roy Thomas. And just to give you an idea of who Roy Thomas is and his legacy in the comic book world, he co-created characters like Vision, Carol Danvers, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Ultron, Red Sonja, Morbius, Ghost Rider, Red Guardian, who are getting really soon in the Black Widow movie, Valkyrie, and oh yeah, a character known as Wolverine. So needless to say, kind of important in the comic book world. As Roy was leaving DC Comics to work alongside Stan Lee at Marvel Comics, he threw O'Neill's name in the conversation to take the Marvel Writer's Test, which is absolutely fantastic. It was was four uh, blank pages of Fantastic Four panels, so the text was just taken off, and the test was you have to fill in the bubbles to tell a story. Now, needless (laughs) to say, O'Neill landed the job. That's fun. 
O'Neill had been quoted as saying that he took the test as kind of a joke. He said, I had a couple hours on a Tuesday afternoon, so instead of doing crossword puzzles, I did the writer's test. Man, I wish I had the writing talent to as a joking, like just on the side joking, yeah, I'll take your Marvel writer test and then actually become a writer for Marvel. That would be amazing. I think I think that test might be a little bit more complicated now. It's it's a little a little stricter to get in. That I think that that line might be a little bit longer than it used to be. Yeah. As the Marvel line expanded, Stanley could no longer cover the entire line of stories and passed work on to Roy and Denny. Denny would write stories for Doctor Strange, Rawhide Kid, Daredevil, and actually help revive Professor X in issue sixty-five of X-Men alongside Neil Adams, which was one of their earliest collaborations. Work at Marvel was not steadily flowing, and O'Neill would begin working at Charlton Comics under the pseudonym Sergis O'Shaughnessy, working alongside editor Dick Giordano for about a that, year and a half. That is a name. That is yeah. a name. Sergius O'Shaughnessy. Yeah. The, <laughs> That's a great you name. imagine choosing that, that pseudonym and just being like, yes, I want that name. Yeah. Amazing. Well, it stands out. <laughs> it did. Giordano. He still got would, the O in there. <laughs> uh-huh. You got you to keep the O. Mm-hmm. Giordano would be offered an editor position at DC Comics, and he brought along quite a few of the writers from Charlton Comics, including O'Neill. This is what, where O'Neill began really to shine, writing Justice League, Brave and the Bold, and the iconic Green Lantern, Green Arrow series, including issues 85 and 86, which reveal Green Arrow's sidekick Speedy to be addicted to heroin. Now that is one of... Probably the most iconic issues out there, the cover especially, like walking into the room and they literally, they show Speedy shooting up, which was a massive deal. It, it got the attention of not just comic readers, but general masses. National news. Yeah. And O'Neill would, had mentioned that he was, he got thrust into the limelight and was brought on to all these different talk shows and to discuss kind of why they did what they did and talk about the comic book industry in general. Now, O'Neill would take over writing multiple Batman titles in the 70s, bringing the Dark Knight sense of vengeance and grittiness back to the forefront. And kind of the whole reason why we're talking about him right now, because during this time is when he helped to create Talia al Ghul. But just so you have an idea, his other creations include another Batman character, Asriel, as well as Hydro-Man, Lady Deathstrike, Earth-2 Batman, Ironmonger, and a personal favorite of mine, Jon Stewart. Now that we talked about Denny, let's shift gears and talk about Bob Brown. Now, Brown was born in Syracuse, New York in 1915 to parents involved in the arts. William Robert Brown would attend Hartford Art School and Rhode Island School of Design. He formed a song and dance act with his siblings in the in the late 20s and would become a solo dancer in the 30s. This is a pretty, pretty interesting background. Yeah, he's diverse. talents. Now, he would later be drafted to serve in the Army Air Corps in 1940. Following his military service, Brown would work on titles for Fox Comics, Timely slash Atlas Comics, because he was at... He was at Timely during the period where it was shifting to Atlas, which if you've listened to our other uh, issues, you've heard us talking about how Timely became Atlas and then Atlas became Marvel. He also worked at DC Comics, where he became a regular artist for the series Vigilante. 
He would go on to co-create Space Ranger in 1958 and illustrate titles like Tales of the Unexpected and Mystery in Space. In 1959, he took over Challengers of the Unknown from the team's co-creator, Jack Kirby. In 65, he and Arnold Drake would co-create one of my personal favorite characters in comics, Beast Boy, in Doom Patrol issue 99. So a lot of prolific creations along the way. His work I'm doing some quick math here. So that's 1965. He created Beast Boy mm-hmm. and he's that's he's 50 years old at this point. He was born in 1915. Yeah. So I mean, like, you know, this guy's been working for a while and making all these crazy fun characters. So that that's great. Mm-hmm. His work at DC would expand, illustrating Brave and the Bold, House of Secrets, Superboy and World's Finest. It was at this time that Brown and O'Neill would come together to work on Detective Comics. They would develop Batman's first encounter with the League of Assassins in Detective Comics 405 in November of 1970 and co-create Talia al Ghul in the story titled Into the Den of the Death Dealers, which is a phenomenal title. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then, which that story is found in issue 411 of Detective Comics, which came out in May of 1971 and just as a side note thought this was pretty interesting is that Talia al Ghul made her debut in May 1971 but her father Raz al Ghul didn't first appear until a month later in June of 1971 in Batman issue 232 with Raz however was co-created by again Denny O'Neill but this time the artist co-creating was Neil Adams and and remember earlier how I said that uh, we found out that her birthday was December 1st, 1972. <laughs> yeah. So DC timelines, folks, not it's the same the as place. publication dates. <laughs> no. Well, Which was means that, was that they her were telling a story of the future <laughs> or or what was that her original birth date or is it one of those things where we redid continuity? And so they're like, well, we have to change her her birth date. So now it's, she was born in the 70s. I, I think it was a continuity thing because otherwise her birthday would have been like the fifties or something. Yeah. I think it's that's her, the I think that's the new birthday. It's the updated birthday, but that, that's just kind of funny. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if somebody's listening to this and they're like, wait, you said earlier she was born in 72 and then her first appearance was in 71 and she's already like 20. What the heck's going on? Now we want to point out that sadly, Denny O'Neill passed away in June 11th of 2020, and I had the opportunity to meet him a couple years ago at a convention, and he was extremely kind, very willing to talk to all of his fans about his work and, and just comics in general, and he's he was one of those creators that will definitely be missed. Absolutely, yeah, and he was on the board of directors for the charity The Heroes Initiative. Um, his name is featured in almost the back of every DC comic book from the 70s to 2010. So uh, over 40 years of work and a huge impact. Um, so we, we definitely lost a major creator in the comics world last year. So here's to you, Denny. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, Talia in the comics and some of her extra details so she has a lot of aliases kind of like when we talked about 
Natalia Romanova with Black yeah. Widow. Um, this is kind of along on par with the many and some really fun ones. So here we go. Uh, Talia's aliases include Talia Head, Kali, Tiamat. Like Tiamat, like the five-headed dragon. That's so cool oh from d I'm just like, that's an awesome. Uh, that's, Medusa. That's wire Mommy. I don't that know. Nope, I, I, that one's I just, weird. That was weird. Red Queen. Not bad. Mother of Skeletons. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's like it's like a name of a Iron Maiden album. Mother yes, of Skeletons. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leviathan. Another album cover. <laughs> Leviathan, yeah. The Demon's Head. Daughter of the Demon's Head, Daughter of the Demon, and Miranda Tate. That that last one's kind of a letdown. Yeah, well, I mean, after after Tiamat and Medusa and Mother of Skeletons. Mother of Skeletons. (laughs) Um, She went by Talia Head when she was in charge of LexCorp as more of like a, you know, business name. Um, And it's sort of taking that uh, the Demon's Head and, and taking that head name it's still a weird last name but you know it wasn't really her last name anyway her costumes across the years and uh, uh, depictions have varied a little bit she's often portrayed in skin tight dresses or in white uh in black um she prefers cat suits as well she kind of favors black and green um often being very low cut uh, v-necks or exposing her natural assets uh, in the front. Um, but you know, she knows how to, how to work it and, um, good for her, uh, various settings. Um, I think Talia stands out as a Batman adversary and villain from other Gotham city villains and his normal rogues gallery, because like Ra's al Ghul, um, she's very worldly and she has a much more global threat than somebody like the penguin who's just in charge of like the, local Gotham crime syndicate or something not to take anything away from the penguin, but like it, it's kind of cool how, you know, Talia is in it in a much bigger picture. Yeah. She's global. And I think that's, she's global. Yeah. She's, she's got her eyes on the prize. So I think she uh, has uh, her threat level has been raised a little bit because, you know, like her, like her father, <laughs> threat level midnight. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, good, good call. Yeah. Um, she's, she's more, She's more of a greater adversary because of her global um, impact. Uh, her job, uh, besides just being the heir to the League of Assassins, is she is occasionally an assassin, but also has run organizations like Lex Corp when Lex Luthor was president in the DC Comics hmm, continuity, yep. which is mm-hmm. still weird to me. Her affiliations include, besides Lex Corp, the League of Assassins, the Secret Society of Supervillains, and Leviathan. Uh, supporting characters include her father, Ra's al Ghul, Batman, her love interest, uh, also ex-husband, Damian Wayne, who is her son, Deathstroke, who I believe was kind of a ally and maybe love interest. But but well, there, there was a side story where she tells Deathstroke that he was really the father. So I'm assuming that at some point they... Yeah, uh, they had her fling, but then it was proven that he was not. And and she was basically just playing Deathstroke to try to fight Batman to get him to love her again. It It's it's yeah. <laughs> all of Talia's Makes things sense. is like she wants Batman to love. Yep. But she definitely like 
she tried to play him. Um, and then another character that's big in her life kind of more recently in the comics is uh, Nissa Ratko, who is her half sister. They, they have the same dad in Ra's al Ghul. And um, there's a whole storyline with them, too. So she does have a, a very formidable half sister. Various antagonists to Talia, including Batman and her father and her sister, she, um, but she's also got including some, some issues with family yeah. and. Yeah, also including Bane, Lex Luthor, the Black Glove, Jezebel Jett, Den Durga, and Dr. Dark. And Bane is on that list because at one point when Bane was rising up, uh, Ra's al Ghul said, hey, Bane will be a good match for you and I'm going to have him marry you. And Talia didn't like that idea. So she actually rallied to have Batman defeat Bane and was happy. She was kind of rooting for him because she didn't want to marry Bane. She was like, you're a big brute and you're fish and stuff. So, And so she kind of didn't like him. Uh, while she was in charge of LexCorp, um, she was actually appeared to be friendly with Lex Luthor, but she was actually plotting to kind of destroy his company. And by the time he was exposed and some of the things that he was doing wrong, she ended up selling all of LexCorp's assets to uh, the Wayne Foundation and leaving Lex Luthor penniless for a period of time, which is pretty awesome. That's great. So, yeah, good times. All right, let's move on to the pull list to start off. We'll just get the first appearances out of the way. So making sure that you are reading Detective Comics issue 411, which is her first appearance. Now in this story is when we get uh, the Dr. Dark storyline, which was called Into the Den of Death Eaters. And in here, Talia... Death yeah. What did I say? Not, not, de not Death Eaters. That's Harry Potter. Oh, I said Death Eaters? <laughs> Yeah, the den of the Death Eaters <laughs> crossover. Big oh, crossover. Now we just now we hey, need the Warner. crossover. They're they're both Warner Brothers properties, and it could have. There we go. All right, into the den of the Death Eaters. We got it. So the actual story is into the den of Death Dealers, and in the storyline, uh, Batman is. It's it's pretty funny because he they get on a all. They all get on a train together, all the characters, and then Batman's dressed up as this old woman. Then he chases after Dr. Dark and Talia, and he's trying to save her. Then Dr. Dark tries to kill Batman, and then Talia kills Dr. <laughs> Dark to save Batman. It's just kind of this weird back and forth. And, and Dr. Dark is actually a, a member of uh, – uh, the League of Assassins that that worked for Ra's al Ghul. So so it's he, it's kind of funny. It's like a, the whole thing is kind of kind of a plant. But um, yeah, it's it's a little twisted storyline. Yeah. And then to follow up with that, we have Batman 232, which is Talia's second appearance and the first appearance of Ra's al Ghul. And in mm -hmm. this storyline, it's even kind of more convoluted. Robin's been abducted. Talia has also been abducted. And so Batman and Roz team up to save them. And then they go through all of these really dangerous situations and they climb a mountain and all this stuff. And then it just turns out that Roz had just abducted both of them. And they were, these were all just tests to see if, if Batman was worthy enough to one, take over as heir for the League of Assassins and two, if he was worthy to marry Talia. 
And so when that reveal happens at the end, Batman's face is just like, wait, what? You want me to do what now? And then he's also talking like, wait, so you made all these situations where both of us could have easily died just to see if I was good enough for one to take your job and two to marry your daughter. And Rob's yes, yes, like, that's how yep, we do it. Exactly. In the of Assassins. It's, uh, it's, it's a normal test. It's been a test for generations. Uh, well, I mean, I've been alive for hundreds of years, of course, but, uh, you know, that's, that's how I've thought about doing it because I'm, I'm not getting any younger. I'm only 600. So, I mean, I need somebody that's going to take over for me. What do you say, Batman? Uh, uh, no. You can have my daughter. I mean, she's, she's quite fit. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. It, it, either so way, obviously he turned it down. Weird situation. Uh, yes. He, he, he turned it down, but he did kind of, um, uh, I think what it's, he, he reciprocated Talia's feelings that they had some sort of mutual attraction to each other. Yeah. But it was um, indirectly said that, you know, like, uh, I, I, I'm not going to marry you. I'm, but you're, you're fine and I'm going to walk away. So, so that happened. Um, then, uh, so another thing that you might want to check out in the Talia Al Ghul greatest hits uh, graphic novels is there's a storyline called Son of the Demon. Now, this one, this one's a little interesting because uh, it later we're going to talk about it and mention it as it was sort of thrown out of continuity when they redid the new 52. Mm-hmm. And then later yep. it was parts of it were sort of brought back in. And the reason this was really important is because this is the moment that may or may not have consummated in the creation of Damian Wayne. And I say may or may not because there's some debate over how it actually happened. But how it happens in the comics is that Talia approaches Batman to, to help take down one of Ra's al Ghul's former lieutenants named Quayan. In order to do this, he says, well, I need your help, but I but you need to promise me if you're going to do this, that you're going to marry Talia and, you know, consummate the marriage. Like he's like, Ra's al Ghul's like, you need to do this for me. And, and, and Batman's like, okay, he agrees to it. I forget, you know, it's simplifying the mm-hmm. negotiation yeah. process, but he says yes. And then immediately after doing that, Talia brings him into the bedroom. They strip down and they are, you know, there's a night of passion essentially. <laughs> like it is, it is, you know, you see Batman with a shirt off and Talia's in a negligee and, and there you go. And, and so something happens. Then the rest of the story happens. They defeat the bad guy, blah, blah, blah. Then before like the kind of end of the storyline, the main storyline, she tells Batman I'm pregnant and, and Bruce is like really happy about it. Like he's, he's like, really? That's great news. Like that's his first reaction. He's like super happy and he's thinking about quitting and he's thinking about like, we're, we're going to raise this kid together. And then Talia sees this and says, Oh, you're, you're not, you're not doing your job as Batman. You need to protect Gotham city. You need to, you know, do your job as a crime fighter. And so she fakes her miscarriage and says, I lost the baby. And, and he's like, uh, and then, you know, is heartbroken, but he goes back and, you know, does his Batman abilities. And then it jumps forward nine months and it shows that she gave the kid up for adoption to this nice family. And the first appearance of this baby, by the way, this is not a good looking baby. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this comic, oh, it's, no. it's, this baby is kind of like this 
weird. It's not a cute baby. It's it's a. That's why she kind of. Oh no, I'm not going to make that. Probably why she came up. No, no, I'm just saying. But like, it's if this is Damien. Damien looks fugly at the very beginning. Like (laughs) he's not a cute looking baby. Anyway, I know Damien fans are going to be like, "What are you talking about?" (laughs) Like, trust me. Look, this we got retconned anyway. That's not even. That's not even technically Damien. We'll talk about the retcon thing later. But that's. I still think it's an interesting storyline. It's definitely. You know, if you want to see like, hey, what happens when Batman gets seduced? Now, the the whole thing with with this storyline later. So Grant Morrison basically was trying to remember the storyline of Son of the Demon. And instead of researching it, just sort of remembered it as Talia drugged him and took advantage of him and somehow got the DNA <laughs> through. Yeah, whatever, you know, through means. And and that was later retconned. And again, and. They in some versions of Damien's origin consummation or conception, however you want to say it, uh, you know, Talia did drug Batman and in some others he did not. So it's not quite ironed out as to how that happened. But um, it was the storyline was brought back into canon. So it is acknowledged as uh, like he's there now. The baby itself, it might not that might not actually be Damian Wayne. And in some cases, it might be Damian Wayne. So we'll see. It's it's yeah, it's that it's, it's that a weird bit. situation, because in in that storyline, it says that she gives him up. But then we obviously know that she keeps Damian and then trains him as part of the League of Assassins. So there's just like a lot of things in continuity for many different franchises. This is just another one of those. Yeah, we just kind of go yeah. with the flow situations. And I didn't get into it too much, but I'm sure when we eventually talk about Damian Wayne, hopefully by that point, we'll we'll get a little bit more into it and I'll be able to do some more research and we can nail down um, how exactly Damian got started. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the, All right. The origin. Uh, what else do we have on the pull list? Uh, next up, we have Batman, the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul. Now, this this storyline is kind of strange. Um, so Roz is coming back, but he wants he he learns who Damien is and the fact that he is the son of of Batman, and he wants Damien's body. He literally wants mm-hmm. to take over his body. So Talia, Batman, Nightwing, and uh, Tim Drake, Robin team up to help protect Damien. And this might be kind of part of the first inclination that the Lazarus pit has some limitations or this other part of the Ra's al Ghul and Talia al Ghul story where, you know, it's not just Ra's coming back over and over again. He realizes that he can't go on living in this body that he has, but there is some sort of power that he has the ability to transfer his consciousness and his soul into a body that is the same bloodline. So this is something that's kind of new and different, um, which which comes up later in some other storylines too, and even in other media, which we'll talk about later. But it, that, it's kind of cool. It's like it's it's sort of acknowledging like Ra's al Ghul can't keep on coming back in his own body, and and he's seeing Damien as a potential vessel, you know. Mm-hmm. And and the storyline's cool because we get to see Talia one be very protective of Damien, and to the point where she is literally fighting her father, and it you get to see all of these situations where she is just going all out fighting and it's fantastic. So it's, it's one of those things where you get to see protect like protective mama bear is essentially what the storyline is for Talia. 
Yeah, it shows a good side of, of Talia in, in terms of, you know, she's not just it's not about I just want Batman. Now, now it's it's a relationship uh, between Talia and Damien. And I'd say if anything, like in the second half of Talia's comics continuity, it's shifted from her her wanting Batman as her main focus to now she wants to. She has this relationship with Damien that's very complicated. In some cases, she wants to protect him and she wants to make sure he's taken care of. In other cases, she feels rejected by him and then she wants him dead. So it's like this, it's this very complicated and often hyper stylized mother son relationship that, that can be, you know, equated to like real relationships, but on a hyper kicked up level superhero level. (laughs) So I I like that they gave her this three dimensional level with, with Damien. That's a good story. Mm hmm. Uh, next up is uh, we, we get a little bit into one of your favorite characters, the Red Hood. Yes. Um, Red Hood Lost Days, which um, Talia is kind of uh, indirectly related in this one where she it kind of goes back and talks about how Jason Todd, when he was brought back and sort of shows that um, after he died in his fa- in the famous um, death, death in the family death of the family. Death in the family in the famous storyline, death in the family where Joker has killed him and everyone voted for Jason Todd to die. And then much later years, years and years later, we find out that this character comes back, the red hood, and it's actually Jason Todd. So there's a flashback storyline, which is, which is this, where it shows that it was actually Ra's al Ghul. And is it Ra's al Ghul or just Talia? I hmm, I think it was just well, Talia was like his mentor. So I'm assuming she kind of took the okay. the reins because I think the, the premise, the idea was she wanted to help Bruce essentially like deal with losing Robin. And so she took Jason and kind of like trained him up, but then she never told him that he was still alive. So it's this weird situation where Talia once again is... Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like, yeah. I'm helping Bruce, but I also want to hurt Bruce. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to use it as a secret weapon if I have to. So Talia takes exactly. Jason Todd and resurrects him at the Lazarus pit, kind of raises him up, um, you know, trains him, gives him the resources and the finances of the league of assassins. And then when sleeps she with feels him. that he's ready, sleeps with him. Yeah. It creates this whole, whole interesting other level <laughs> of, yeah. of this relationship. And then he becomes the red hood. So Talia, it, it, it's, it gives her a whole nother level of like, I'm going to, I'm going to have Batman. And this is another level that I, I know I can get under his skin. So it's uh yeah, but it's kind of cool. Like it makes sense. Okay. He's brought back by the Lazarus pit. We know that technology exists and that that's, probably one of the things in the universe that could bring him back and without getting into like, you know, magic and mysticism and whatnot. Yeah. And it ties into the hush storyline, which is fun. In the hush storyline, Batman goes up against um, a new villain named hush, but it ties in a lot of other, uh, a lot of other villains in his rogues gallery. And there is Talia kind of makes an appearance 
in that storyline because she is running LexCorp at that time. He goes to find out some information from Talia about um, things that are happening in Metropolis. And um, she kind of makes it a, not a huge impact in that storyline, but but she is tied in. It kind of shows how she's you know doing this business as Talia head at the time. Now, later, it kind of keeping with this business, um, the next big storyline that Batman does is called Batman Incorporated. And this is a story arc written by Grant Morrison, where Batman starts this global organization of Batman allies throughout the world in different areas. There's somebody in London and there's somebody in Gotham. Now, this new organization called Leviathan pops up and it's a shadowy organization formed to oppose the project. And guess who's in charge of it? It's Talia. Talia has has now she's since left her job at LexCorp and she finds out that she she basically wants to declare war on Batman and even places a five hundred million dollar bounty on Damien's head. Yikes. And this story uh, now, I don't know if that means to kill him or if that means she wants to get him back, but I'm assuming it means to kill him because she probably thinks at this point that she's that he's like taken the side of of his father and now she feels hurt and then she feels you know wronged and now she's a angry mom so um this this storyline keeps on going and it involves things like uh, there's a revealed to be a clone of damien who ends up killing him and then talia defeats batman in combat uh, poisoning him with sort of a poison ivy lip Thing, and he basically just gives up and says you won and then Jason Todd comes in right as he's about to die and says hey here's this button if you click it all these things are going to blow up and then she does it and it ends up not working because he um, turned it off and tricked her and he just kind of verified that she was actually going to do it and therefore she gets shot by this other secret agent person and she dies and then later on both of them come back of course yes <laughs> both Damien because comics and Lazarus pits, uh, they both get brought back to life. And then she teams up with Batman in order to save Damien who dies again in order to save all of humanity. Don't worry. He comes back. So it's a broad reaching storyline. It kind of starts with the, um, uh, the Batman incorporated. But the reason I mentioned that is because if you want to jump into a more modern storyline, that might be a good one to start with because it, it's, it's the last big story arc from Grant Morrison, but it, but Morrison's really fun you know, as a writer and there's a lot of levels, but um, if you just, I think you can find Batman incorporated and just kind of read through some of the storylines there, but it's, it puts, it puts uh, Talia in a, in a major, you know, if you want to see her as a villain and not just, Oh, beloved, I love you. And, you know, you want to see her at a a very powerful uh, position in a very powerful position against uh, Batman, then that this is a good storyline to see her in that position. Mm-hmm. Would you like a drink? Last time, that didn't go so well. Oh, you're right. If I remember correctly, a little something in your beverage. Same way I remember it. It made you romantic. It made me do what you wanted. Was it all bad, beloved? No, it wasn't all bad. Then you remember our shared moonlight? Some of it. The best parts? Talia, what do you want? Next, we're going to move on to the Grail Finds. And we don't really have anything for Grail Finds. No, not not Um, really. 
We have like Grail adjacents. We have Grail adjacents. Now you have one which is uh, your Danny O'Neill book. Yes. So and and it I don't even think it has anything to do with Talia. So it's it's kind of a stretch, but because it's it's Denny O'Neill. Um, this is the yeah. I I love the Marvel DC crossovers, even as weird as they get. And so I have the Batman Punisher Lake of Fire uh, issue, and I had Denny uh, sign it at a convention a couple years ago when that I had previously mentioned. And I, I just wanted him to sign it because I love the weird crossovers and the fact that he he wrote mm-hmm. this is fantastic. So that's that's my grail. Yeah. The only one I, I have that, that I was able to verify was the Hush storyline. So I, I did get a couple of single issues when that came out. And I believe I have I do have the one with um, Talia in it. So nothing that's groundbreaking. I mean, I would love to hunt down some of her early appearances and that den of the death eaters would be really fun. Or even the one where the death eaters. Yeah. 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 Gosh, I got you, got you saying, saying it. it. Yes. It's a thing uh, into the den of the death dealers. Um, that would be a fun first appearance to find. I'm sure it's worth, worth something. Um, and there's even, there's even another one where I think Ra's al Ghul, like, tries to kidnap Batman and he was like, you need to marry her. And he tries to like force and didn't happen. But um, yeah, there's neither one of us really have any grail finds for, for Talia al Ghul. But um, if you do, or you have uh, a favorite storyline that you like from Talia and you want to share it with us, um, let us know. We're going to let you know about our social media, but check us out on Twitter at CBK cast, but we'll talk about social media during the break. Which is right now. Let's Which take is a right break. now. It's right now. It's happening. Coming to you live from whatever podcast you're currently listening to. It's your boy Jay West with my co-host Mac East from the We Get Dub Podcast. What up, nerds? It's me, Mac East, and we got a badass anime podcast for you. We got hot sauce. We got hot takes. We got booze and banter. And you can listen to us on all major platforms. The We Get Dub Podcast. It's harder than a Goku gut punch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Lance. Yep. The best way to support us is to leave a rating and review, wouldn't you say? I I would say yes. And how many stars do you think we normally get when people do a rating? Uh, We'd like five. Five Five-star reviews are pretty good. And could they leave a rating on Apple Podcasts? Uh, Yes, they can. How about Spotify? Yep, that too. Did you know we're also on Podchaser? Uh, I, I didn't know that, but now I do. So you should leave a rating there too. Oh, and also, um, you know, a new thing is, um, is audible podcasts oh, We're on that as well. Fancy. That's kind of new Amazon podcasts. Yeah. So you can pretty much find us on most major, uh, podcasts. Um, we're actually also now newly on Pandora podcasts. So welcome Pandora listeners. So I believe most of those uh, have some sort of way that you can leave a rating and review. We love five-star reviews or five whatevers they have. Most of them use stars, but we're not discriminatory against other symbols and um, shapes. So uh, but, but anything that you, 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Five moons. Um, but if you want to give us a review, we definitely love reading them and uh, we take feedback to heart. So if you want to uh, get in touch with us, reach out to us on our social media. You can find us on Twitter at CBKCast using the hashtag CBKCast with any of your what if ideas or questions that you have about anything that we discuss in the show. You can find us on Instagram at CBKCast as well. And Comic Book Keepers is proudly hosted by The Geekly Grind. Stop by The Geekly Grind for all things geeky from comics, anime, and manga to board games, video games, RPGs, and more. Take a break from your weekly grind at The Geekly Grind. And don't forget to check out the composer of our theme song, Arcane Anthems. Our good friend Weston makes royalty-free music for tabletop role-playing games, campaigns, streams, and podcasts. Check out his amazing work at Arcane Anthems on Twitter, TikTok, and as a bonus, you can actually get all of his music available for free download on his Patreon at Arcane Anthems. All right, let's get back to the issue. He was trying to kill millions of innocent people. Innocent is a strong word to throw around Gotham, Bruce. I honor my father by finishing his work. Vengeance against the man who killed him is simply a reward for my patience. You see, it's the slow knife, the knife that takes its time. The knife that waits years without forgetting, then slips quietly between the bones. The knife that cuts deepest. <laughs> Lance, let's talk about Talia Al Ghul in adaptations. Now, yes, please. kind of like Cheetah and Black Widow and a lot of these um, femme fatales, you know, like that, that have a lot of appearances. Um, nothing that is essentially just about them. Like they're the they're not the main character, but she has appeared in many different adaptations across TV, film, video games, and uh, lots of stuff. So um, I'm going to try to make this brief, but I also want to make it thorough as well. So we'll start with TV. In TV animation, she first appeared, and I think uh, many people first became aware of Talia as a major character in the Batman animated series. This was a widely loved and, and critically um, acclaimed um, cartoon adaptation of Batman. And it was right around when the first Batman movie came out. So it was, I would say, a major Batman heyday. And and it, she was voiced by Helen Slater. She first appears in the episodes called Off Balance and The Demon's Quest, parts one and two, which were based on the two classic Talia stories of comics, Into the Den of the Death Dealers, not Death Eaters, and Daughter of the Demon. <laughs> Uh, Later on, she popped up in the new Batman Superman Adventures cartoon, and she was voiced by Olivia Hussey. She and members of the League of Assassins are attempting to steal a Native American artifact with mystical powers, and Superman shows up first trying to stop Talia, but Talia uses the staff's powers and uh, drains his powers, and we all know how Kal-El is with magic. So Talia Al Ghul defeats Superman. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which says something. Um, she wants to use the staff to transfer Superman's powers to her father, 
but Batman arrives Yikes. in time to save Superman, but not in time to stop Ra's al Ghul from gaining enough of Superman's powers to use the Lazarus pit, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it's, that's something to be said that like with a little bit of magic, you know, Talia al Ghul in the, in this cartoon has, has defeated Superman, which is, yeah, pretty, you know, says something. Yeah. One of my other favorite cartoon appearances is she shows up in Batman beyond. Yes. Uh, which is really cool. This is in one episode. It's called out of the past where Talia, who looks as good as ever. Remember how the Lazarus pit slows aging and makes you look good. Well, she shows up in the future of Batman beyond and visits old Bruce Wayne on his birthday, giving him an offer. He can't really refuse an but offer to use the Lazarus pit. <laughs> but uh, there is a twist. Um, the new Batman, Terry McGinnis, finds out that Talia is really Ra's al Ghul inhabiting Talia's body. Gross. Hoping to, yeah, revitalize Bruce and take over his body and then take over the Wayne fortune, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we mentioned earlier that that comics thing about how he wanted to take over Damien. Mm-hmm. So. um, So I think it's kind of interesting how. I'm not sure if this episode of Batman Beyond happened first or the Damian Wayne stuff happened, but clearly there is some like one idea might have come from the other and how they mentioned in the cartoon. I was reading the recap of the episode, how there's a little bit of talk of, well, I used to be able to jump from my own bloodline, but now I've improved the process where now I can jump into somebody else. So he has this whole plan of, you know, Bruce Wayne's going to use it. He's going to become a younger version of himself that's stronger and better and then jump into he's going to take over Bruce Wayne's body and therefore take over, um, you know, pose as a, a lost love child of Bruce Wayne and Talia and take over the Wayne fortune and everything. So yeah. um, it's kind of I read that and then I read when you were talking about, uh, you know, Damien, how Ra's al Ghul wanted to take over Damien's body. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. So Talia is kind of in that episode, but also she's not because it's really him or it's her body, which is weird. So I, I don't know. It's uh, but it's, it's, it's a fun episode. Yeah. Uh, Talia shows up in later in another show called Batman, the brave and the bold. She is this time voiced by Andrea Brown in one episode called sidekicks assemble, where this time she's actually shown as a younger uh, more teenage or 20 something character and ends up helping Robin Aqualad and speedy against a plot from her father, Ra's al Ghul, who has a giant plant monster that ends up uh, taking over a city or something like that. But she is basically helping um, the sidekicks, which is a little bit different and shows her how she's interacting with Robin and some of the other sidekicks in the DC universe in live action TV. Uh, we have a brief appearance of a very young Talia. She makes a brief cameo appearance in season one of Legends of Tomorrow, played by Millie Wilkison. She comes in as a reoccurring character, however, in Arrow, played by Lexa Doig. I'm probably saying her name wrong, too. She's introduced in season five. Um, Talia plays uh, Oliver Queen's mentor in some flashbacks and Adrian Chase's trainer. She even has run-ins with her half-sister Nyssa and is shown as both a rival and ally to Oliver Queen and ends up making it all the way through the series. Like she's shown to be blown up at one point, but then she survives that. And everybody so she is always a comes back in that yeah, show. She always comes, she's got a Lazarus pet. Yeah. So Nyssa, but it's is, interesting Nyssa that, is really cool in that show though. 
Okay. Yeah. See, I haven't, I haven't seen it, but, um, it, but it's kind of cool. I like they, they brought her in, uh, and, and, and it, you have a character like Talia who has made such an impact and in, in arrow, you know, so it's like you were mentioning earlier before we were recording how they didn't really have a Batman, but they basically made arrow into this kind of Batman character. <laughs> yeah. They weren't allowed to put Batman on, on TV. So they're like, well, Who's the closest character we have to Batman? Okay, Green Arrow. Let's make this show and then revolve all of Batman's villains with Green Arrow. Because within the show, you have a lot of Talia al Ghul show up. You have Deathstroke. You have all these characters that are normally revolved around Batman and it's with Green Arrow. But yeah. it's, it's fine. It's cool. And she looks it, it's a cool interpretation of the character. I like I like how she looks with the different, you know, hair color and everything. So it's uh, it's it's fun. Um, I'm definitely going to check out Arrow at some point um, in the future. Now we we're, we move to live action movies and there has been a the major one, which is The Dark Knight Rises. Um, Talia is portrayed by Marion Cotillard uh, under the uh, alias Miranda Tate for most of the film. This, hey, look, it's Miranda Tate. Hey, it's Miranda Tate. Uh, in this film, Talia is posing as Miranda Tate, who is a wealthy philanthropist who gains Bruce Wayne's trust and becomes his lover as well. She is shown as the orchestrator of uh, the destruction of Gotham City, carrying on her father's legacy of destroying Gotham and civilization. Um, she was revealed to be born in the underground prison known as the pit, which I think is kind of a veiled um, homage to Mm -hmm. the Lazarus pit, maybe since they didn't really want to go as far as like showing the Lazarus pit, but it's kind of like, Oh, this is the pit. Um, And also Bane, the character Bane uh, was able to protect her until she was old enough to be one of the only people to escape the pit. And in one of the coolest sequences of that film, I think, which is showing this kid like jumping up on these little posts and Bruce has to do that later when he escapes the pit and everything. So um, I think she did a really, you know, awesome job, Marion Cotillard. uh, And and it was a fun twist, Mm -hmm. even though it was a little bit predictable, but like it, it, you know, she, she played it well. Um, I'm a little bummed that, you know, she, the the she died in like a essentially a car crash but but um it was kind of like oh well that's that's too bad but but um but i mean it was a fun it was a fun character and she kind of played the the twist that she needed to play so um but uh she also has appeared in many of the dc animated films uh, there are many cameos and mentions but I'm not going to mention all of those, but here are the ones that are notable where she actually has like a larger role. So the first one is Son of Batman, voiced by Firefly's Morena Baccarin, who is one of my favorite actresses in that show. And uh, she plays Talia in a much larger part, introducing Damian Wayne. In Batman Bad Blood, she is the main antagonist. She is once again voiced by Morena Baccarin. And she's the main antagonist of the film where she tries to brainwash Batman so they can finally be together. Obviously, that doesn't come to fruition or it doesn't um, you know, hold true, but uh, it's kind of cool to see her as a main villain. And then Talia also shows up in Batman Death in the Family, which is what I think they did this last year in 2020, where uh, it's they have this like alternate storyline. So she shows up in one of the three alternate storylines voiced by uh, Zehra Fazal. And there's various ones where you can choose if 
Jason Todd lives or Jason Todd dies or, you know, everyone always chooses dies because you want to know why? Because Red Hood's cooler than Jason Todd as as Robin. It's just true. Well, but she's also in that. Yeah. Yeah. Talia also shows up in a couple of video games. The very first one, which I thought was kind of cool, was the 1999 Catwoman video game for Game Boy Color. <laughs> and where she hires Catwoman. The classic. For a, she's not a playable character, but she hires Catwoman for a job. And uh, I saw a little pixel shot of that. And, it, and she looked pretty good for a, for a 8-bit, you know, Game Boy Color screen. She also later shows up in Batman Dark Tomorrow as a NPC who you run into. And as a playable character, she first shows up in Lego Batman 1 and 2. And you can actually play as a little Lego Talia al Ghul. She shows up in DC Universe Online as a villain voiced by Ellie McBride. And she shows up in Batman Arkham City voiced by Stana Katik. Now, uh, the Arkham City storyline, she's actually kind of in a major chapter of the game, mostly in cutscenes, but she saves Batman from the Joker, offers him immortality with the Lazarus Pit. You know, you can take over, kill my father, and you can take over and we can be together and et cetera, et cetera, and gets in a big fight with the Joker and who ends up being Clayface and then Joker kills her. And <laughs> so, but she's she's definitely in that game a lot more. You don't get to play her as her, but um, but Batman definitely has a lot of interaction with Talia in the game. So that concludes the adaptations. And I believe that brings us to our section that we call. What Each issue we do what nerds do best. We share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. And this week we decided what villain organization in any comic universe should Talia take control of? Now, my choice is the foot from the TMNT. You can choose if you want the original Mirage or uh, the IDW run. But I see this storyline as as being Shredder has been defeated, let's say, by the Turtles. It could be pushed off of a roof and, you know, crushed in a trash compactor uh, or some (laughs) other means. And Karai has... uh, kind of taken over that leadership role but then you have talia make her way in and see the potential of the organization and fights karai takes beats her and takes over as lead of the foot but then of course she's gonna have to fight against the turtles for control of the city and realize that she can't beat uh, the turtles with the the foot that she has or the current assassins that she has and realizes she needs to locate Shredder's body, throw him in the Lazarus pit, and then do a team up versus the turtles. Nice. And like the the cool thing is is that uh, there has already been Batman TMNT crossover stories. Yeah. There there was one based on like the animated series, and then there was three volumes uh, that were very well done. Now I I haven't read all of them. So I don't, I know at one point, uh, Raza gold does play a role. So I don't know if they've already brought in kind of the Lazarus pit idea. I'm hoping shredder has not been resurrected with the Lazarus pit or else it's just going to sound like I stole the idea. Uh, but that's my thought. How dare you? Uh, yeah. Talia was actually in, in, I, in one of the animated movies, Batman, uh, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 
Um, she's actually mentioned in that, but you know, she doesn't actually have a speaking role, but she's like in one of the files that comes up or something when they're researching stuff. Um, so she's kind of tangentially already sort of <laughs> linked to Ninja Turtles. And there we that, go. In that little side. We're adjacent. Uh, but Let's adjacent just get it done. Good. Okay. Here's my idea. Sinister six. Nice. Okay. Now, so here's my brief pitch for this. So, uh, this is in a version of the storyline where uh, Norman Osborn has been has been dead for a while and the Sinister Six has been defeated by Spider-Man and all of a sudden Norman Osborn is back and, and Peter Parker, Spider-Man is like, what what is going on? Like, how is he back? And she um, has basically as a business person, uh, Talia has taken over um, Oscorp as a secret investor. She's brought back you know, the founder, uh, but, but he is beholden to her. He doesn't, he's basically saying, this is my new CEO as I'm recuperating. And, and this is the, this is the new in, uh, person that's in charge of Oscorp as Talia al Ghul or uh, whatever alias she wants to use, you know, mother of skeletons or something like that. Probably something more. <laughs> this is mother of skeletons. <laughs> She'll be running Oscorp. Yeah. And then, so, then people will literally be just like side talking, like, so 100% Oscorp's evil, right? Yeah, for sure. So uh, so I see, you know, Talia bringing in the League of Assassins as well as just, you know, as this global organization uh, using Oscorp as more of a shell company to do this. And then, of course, Spider-Man maybe teaming up with Daredevil, finding out th- that it's run by this and Spider-Man and Daredevil have to fight off all of these uh, all of these villains, the Sinister Six, as with Talia being an enhanced Green Goblin. Um, so ta- she would actually take the Green Goblin serum and combine with the Lazarus Pit, you know, can't die and becomes this new Jeez. female Green Goblin. Also, as they're fighting off all of these uh, ninjas uh, that that are part of the League of Assassins. So I think it would be a sick storyline of his no i i would i want to read that right now (laughs) let's do it marvel let's you should send us your writer's test let's do it send us the writer's test and we'll do it give us a spider-man blank sinister six book and we will take that writer's test we Uh, know you want to do marvel dc crossovers again let's just get it done this is a way to make it happen talia ghoul you know, I think it's time to close the book on Talia. Uh, she has been a extremely complex but super fun character, and we're excited to have gone into her past and find out quite a lot of stuff. And she is a linchpin in several key characters. So I think yeah. it's been really fun to uh, delve a little bit more in into her backstory and some of the stuff I'm still, I still wish the, the continuity, the timeline of with Damien and, and things like that. And like, did they get married and did they not get married? And it's just, yeah, dude, it's comics. Don't it's worry a little about it. Wishy-washy, but you know, but yeah. I'm willing to push but that the, aside and just say like, she's still a really cool character in one of the most powerful yeah. women in the DC universe. One of the most powerful characters really. Yeah. And we found out she's a death eater and she's a death eater. Yes. Yes. <laughs> For sure, yeah, she secretly works with Voldemort. Maybe that does that mean that Razal Ghul is secretly Voldemort? I mean, he does keep coming back to life. Okay, so we need Marvel <laughs> DC crossover. So until next and... time, this is Chris. 
and Lance, reminding you to keep your friends close, but your comic books closer. Dumbledore's army. <laughs> <laughs>